We'll continue our series through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, I'll read the chapter, um, then we shall consider verse 15. Ephesians chapter 6, I'll read, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Born servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you will Christ. Not by way of eye service as people please us, but as born servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the all arm of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know that, you may know how I am and what I am doing, Tichikas, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you may open 
the eyes of our hearts to receive your word this morning. Pray that you may pour your spirit of revelation, your spirit of truth, to guide us into all the truth. I pray that this word may richly dwell in our hearts. I pray for faithfulness on my part as I handle your word, that I may speak only that which will give grace to those who hear. I pray for your people as well, that they may be attentive in the hearing of your word. That they may hold tightly to that which you're teaching them. That they may hear your voice this morning. We pray that your truth may build us up in the most holy faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Fighting in a war is a very difficult and dangerous affair. The potential for personal injury is very high. And for this reason, soldiers are armed with equipment to protect them against the attacks of the enemy. Spiritual warfare is similar to physical warfare. Virtually every point where the devil hits the people of God, he will seek to injure them and destroy them if he can. For this reason, we must be armed to protect ourselves against satanic attack. Now we've been considering together the armor that God has provided for his people, for the Christians, and we've considered in verse 14, the belt of truth. <clears throat> and we saw that the belt of truth refers to the whole of God's truth from Genesis to Revelation. And we saw that it was necessary for us to put on this belt because the devil is a liar. The protection the believer can have against the lies of the devil is the truth of God's word. And so he must hold fast to that which is true and reject everything that is evil. It is by this means that we can avoid the harm and the injury that is caused by falsehood and lies and heresies. Last week we considered the breastplate of righteousness and we saw that it was important for us to put on this breastplate. Why? Because Satan is an accuser of the brethren. The devil will point out our sins, our faulty obedience, the holes that are there in our righteousness. And his purpose is to bring us to a place of despair, hopelessness with regard to our sin. The only way we can tackle this is understanding that the basis of our righteousness before God has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with Jesus Christ. It is Christ's perfect obedience that makes me, that makes you acceptable before God. And so we have a perfect righteousness in the eyes of God. And it is only on the basis of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's only on his basis are we accepted and embraced by God. <clears throat> if we de depend on our own righteousness, the evil one will find holes in that righteousness. And he will throw 
his fiery darts and target us. We also saw that it, this armor was very important because it protects the vital organs of the body. It is essential to life. It is essential to your Christian life because the most important part of your life is your heart. And if it is protected, if you've put on the breastplate of righteousness given to you by Christ, then it is of utmost importance to you. We saw that that breastplate takes us to the very center of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God has taken the perfect righteousness of his son and imputed it on us and reckoned it on our accounts and God has declared us righteous. This morning we come to the third piece of the Christian armor and Paul describes it in verse 15 as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Paul turns from the breastplate to the what? To the footwear. And I have two points. The first one is, what are the shoes of the gospel of peace? What is he speaking about here? And the second thing is, why is it important? Why is it necessary for us to to put on these shoes? As we come to this third piece of uh, armor, we come to the least expected piece of armor. Because if the Bible had not mentioned, many of us would not think about it. The helmet is obvious to us. The breastplate is obvious to us. The sword, yes. The shield, yes. But who have thought of shoes? God has given to us this piece of armor. And we need to realize here that this is an important piece of armor. Because often, um, we don't mind, for the most part, what someone has worn, isn't it? If I was to ask you the type of shoes your neighbor seated to you, next to you has worn, you can't even remember. You, it's, it's not even noticeable to you, isn't it? And so we come to this piece and the analogy here is the shoe of the Roman soldier. And good shoes were important to facilitate motion, to protect their feet against injury, and to give the soldier sure footing so that they do not fall, so that they're not pushed around. You can, import, you can imagine the importance of having a firm footing in combat, in military warfare. The Roman soldier in the first century did not march around with heavy military footwear like we have today. What they wore was some kind of a simple leather sandal. It consisted of a, of a flat sole with straps which were attached to their ankles. And these um, shoes, <clears throat> they, it was also attached with sharp nails on the, so that they can have a sure footing so that they'll be prevented from slipping and falling as they engaged in mortal 
combat. This footwear was also designed in such a way that the blisters will not form in their feet. So not only did the shoes provide stability and sure footing, but it also provided mobility. Because the sandal was light. It provided protection. It enabled the soldier to move around swiftly. And anyone who has hiked, anyone who has wrestled, anyone who has run, knows the importance of a good footwear. When the Christian comes to terms with what he is facing, that the enemy is after your soul, the Christian will inevitably begin to appreciate every single piece of this armor that God has provided. This shoe gives us a firm footing because the foot is a very important part of your body, isn't it? Where the foot goes, the body goes, isn't it? If you slide, your whole body will fall to the ground. And so everything depends on the security of your feet. Because if you sleep in battle, you become an easy prey. You're dead. You're easily finished. And God has given to us shoes for our firm footing. See, the Romans were so interested in this matter of warfare. And one conqueror who saw the importance of mobility was Alexander the Great. One of the greatest captains of armies the world has ever known. He lived back in the 4th century before Christ. And one of the reasons for his successes was moving his armies so quickly and unexpectedly while their enemies were stationary or were moving slowly. And so we have this picture of a Roman soldier clad with these shoes. It's a picture of mobility, a picture of stability. And Paul tells us that as we engage in this spiritual warfare, the gospel of peace should provide and produce such things in us. And so he says, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. What is this readiness? What is this preparation? The readiness there has to do with being equipped. It means you're making provision ahead of time for the event that you're going to face. You're getting ready for an upcoming event. So it's not only the activity that will happen, but it also has to do with the state of being. When Jesus is talking about his second return, um, the, the readiness there has to do with our preparation ahead of time for his second return, as well as our state of being, that we are in a state where we are ready anytime he may return. And this tells us that the source of this readiness is the gospel of peace. The source of this preparation. It is derived from the gospel of peace. And so, let me first of all say that there are two different interpretations held by scholars as regards to this, uh, this passage. The first interpretation takes the word to mean 
the word readiness there to mean readiness to preach the gospel into all the world. They mean readiness for evangelism. And they will turn to Isaiah 52 verse 7 which says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And Paul um, quotes that verse in Romans chapter 10 verse 15, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And they clearly interpret it to say that Paul is talking about the readiness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he's talking about the preparation to proclaim the gospel. The good news Bible will say, and as your shoes, the readiness to announce the good news of peace. That's in verse 15. Then there's a second interpretation which takes the meaning of the word readiness to interpret it as firmness, as stability, as being firm, firmly rooted. And I believe this morning this is the correct interpretation of this verse. It is more fitting to the context of this section. Paul the Apostle here is not dealing with evangelism. He's dealing with Christian warfare. It's a military picture. So the whole emphasis of this section is not about running. It's not about having swift feet to proclaim the gospel. It's not even about walking. What is it about? It's about standing, isn't it? Look at verse 11. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand, isn't it? Um, verse 13, therefore take up the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Verse 14, stand therefore. You see, Paul repeats himself four times in order to make it clear to us that the main purpose for which this armor is given is to cause us to stand. And we saw that this picture of standing is the picture of victory, isn't it? And so this passage here has nothing to do with going anywhere. It has everything to do with stand, with standing. And so this is not evangelism for non-believers. This is conflict for believers. Sure, the gospel of peace should be preached and must be preached, but that's not the issue here. I don't think this passage has to do with the issue of evangelism. And the reason is has to do with the whole context of it. This is a text of scripture on spiritual warfare. The lost are not mentioned here. But it's the Christian defending himself against the attacks of the devil. And so the context here helps us to have a clear interpretation. And he says that it is these shoes of the gospel of peace that gives us stability, firm footing in the Christian life. Of course, one of the things that besets the Christian soldier is instability. And this, of course, is one of the characteristics of a recent convert. It's one of the classic symbols of Christian immaturity. You remember, he has exhorted us in chapter 4, verse 14, we'll turn there, that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful 
schemes. You see, that is always the picture of a spiritual child. Spiritual immaturity. A lack of discernment. They are unstable. They are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. They are always running to every new idea that comes up. They are always up and down. One moment rejoicing, another moment depressed. They are suffering from a condition of spiritual immaturity. And that has been true of us, true of all of us, by extension. And the devil knows this. The devil rejoices in this Achilles heel. He knows every weakness. And he comes to bring us trials and tribulations and adversity and hardship and temptation. And he wants to throw you off balance. And Paul tells us that we need to stand. We need to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Think for a moment about the great reformer Martin Luther. Luther knew a lot about spiritual battle. He stood in defiance against a thousand years of papal tradition. He was the unmovable object. In the year 1521, when he was summoned before the might, the might of the Roman Catholic Church, he was questioned about his faith. And he was able to stand and say, I quote, unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in the councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves. I am bound by, by the scriptures I have quoted and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. May God help me. Amen. End of quote. He is Luther in danger of losing his life. But because his feet are firmly shod with the stability of the gospel of peace, he was able to boldly proclaim, here I stand, I can do no other. May God help me. Amen. Luther knew something of true spiritual stability. He was able to stand firm when everything was against him, when the whole, the whole world was against him. He was able to stand against against the works of evil. We have the story of Horatius Bonner. I told that he was a very successful lawyer and he had great riches, but he faced terrible trials. One time, his wife and his four daughters were crossing the sea and four of his daughters drowned. And his wife was miraculously saved. He lost all his money because of bankruptcy in the city of Chicago. Um, the fire ravaged his, 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 his property. And how did he respond? Did he blame God? Did he renounce his faith? Did he collapse and go into despair? Not a little bit. We read that he sat down, put pen to paper, and was able to write the words of this beautiful hymn. When peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, Though trials should come, 
Bless this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. What is it that can make such dire circumstances, a man in such dire circumstances, to remain rock solid on his faith? It is nothing less than having your feet shod with the stability of the gospel of peace. You see, if you've put on the, these shoes this morning, then you're able to face anyone, you're able to face anything. You're able to face the powers of darkness brought against you. You may experience the storms of life, but you will stand firm and fast. You'll not be tossed to and fro. We need to have these shoes with the stability of the gospel of peace. The vital question that may confront us this morning is how are we to put on this footwear which God has provided for us? How are we to know this spiritual stability? What does it mean in the practical everyday life? And that brings us to the second point. Why is it an important armor of God? Paul tells us here that this stability is produced by the gospel of peace. This firm footing is produced by the gospel of peace. This stability can only come from the gospel of peace. What does Paul mean by the gospel of peace? What he means is that it is the gospel that produces peace. That it is the gospel that results in peace. That the Lord Jesus Christ himself is our peace. He's the one who has reconciled us back to God. He's the one who has made peace with God. The gospel is the gospel of peace. And let us look at the first thing, peace with God. Let's look at the first thing there, peace with God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, we read this last week again. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul tells us that the first wonderful blessing that comes in the gospel is peace with God. In other words, the man and the woman who has been justified by faith has entered into a relationship with God which is marked by harmony and peace. In justification, our former relationship with God is reversed. We have a new relationship with Him. Formerly we were alienated from Him, we were enemies of God, we were rebels, but that has changed. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. This word peace that the apostle uses here is a very important word. It's a word that is used hundreds of times in the Bible, yet there is a great deal of confusion about it. The biblical definition of peace is quite different from what the world understands as peace. We hear a lot of international peace, world peace. And the world defines peace as the absence of strife or a state where there is no fighting. So you hear peace between nations, peace among communities. Even the English dictionary defines peace as freedom from disturbance, a state or period in which there is no danger or a war has ended. But I want to tell you this morning that the biblical definition of peace is altogether different. 
The word peace comes from the Old Testament Hebrew word shalom. And in biblical times, it was a form of greeting. And its basic meaning is positive and not purely negative. It denotes the absence of strife, but it also denotes the presence of something, the presence of deep blessing. You see, if someone was to greet you shalom, he's not hoping that you'll not get into a fight today. He's not saying, I hope you avoid hostility and warfare. He's not necessarily saying, I hope you avoid conflict. No, he's saying, I trust God's blessing may rest upon you in all its fullness. And the root of this word means completeness, wholeness, soundness of life. A life that is complete and lacks nothing that is good. And that is what the gospel brings, isn't it? The gospel brings holiness, wholeness, completeness through justification. God takes the ruined, depraved, broken life and he restores it. He renews it. He heals it. He makes them anew. So that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed and everything has become new. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ reverses the devastating effects of our depravity. It renews and restores us to perfect holiness found in Jesus Christ. So that we can say this morning, it is well. It is well with my soul. We have been justified. When Paul talks about the gospel of peace, he's also talking about the peace of God. Peace with God, and then secondly, the peace of God. It is by virtue of having peace with God that you have the peace of God. Remember how Paul brings it out in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgivings, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that the Christian soldier can be often worried, anxious, fearful, is slipping and sliding in the battlefield. But if the peace of God is in his life, what will that peace do? That peace will guard his heart and mind through Jesus Christ. See, you not only have peace with God, you also have the peace of God. Perfect peace in this dark world. Thank God for this heavenly peace which surpasses human understanding. Jesus told, told his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This was our Lord's legacy to his church. Great blessing that he left to us before he returned to heaven. And he gives us peace. Peace that is supernatural. It's a peace that is deep and abiding. It's a peace that the world knows nothing about. The world can never experience it. So that the Christian can go through trials and adversity and tribulations. And the world cannot understand how this person is displaying calmness and tranquility when everything is against him. 
He said the world is in amazement. The world cannot understand why a Christian is so stable, rock solid in the midst of circumstances. It is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Think of a man who has lost his first wife to a disease, married again, lost his second wife to a disease, but he's not depressed. He's not in despair. He's not collapsed. In fact, he's in church. Praising God, standing firm. He's able to say like Job, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. His faith is rock solid. And he's giving praise to God because all his confidence, all his certainty weighs heavily on the truth of the gospel. That gospel has brought him peace with God has brought him peace of God so that his heart and mind is grounded on Jesus Christ. Dear child of God, if you've put on these gospel shoes, you can stand firm. You can face all the adversities of life. Whatever the devil might throw at you, all the forces of evil that may come against you, you can stand firm because you're standing on redemption ground. Because you're not standing on yourself. You're standing on Jesus Christ, the solid rock. You're standing on the one who has delivered you, who has justified you. Oh friend, is that true of you this morning? Are you a soldier standing in the army of the Lord? Are you standing firm? Are you standing fast? Do you, do you have your shoes this morning? The devil wants to drive a wage between us and God. He wants us to, to distrust God. He wants us to lack peace. He wants us to depend on ourselves. He wants us to believe that God is not at peace with you. So that you're, you're off balance. He wants us to be uncertain about where we stand with God. He wants us to lack the confidence that we have peace with God. You see, the name of the devil, as is given in Revelation 11:9, is Apollyon. It says they have a, they have as king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abandon, and in Greek he's called Apollyon, which means destroyer. That he wants to destroy our faith. He wants to destroy our peace with God. And he can do it, and he wants to do it through negative events in our life. Through the sad providences that God brings. And he wants to make you feel guilty. He wants you to think that God is angry with you. That God is, ple is not pleased with you. And you begin to interpret those providences in your life. And it begins to create doubt in your life and uncertainty and you begin to lack peace am i really a child of god are these are, are these sad providences coming upon me because i'm an enemy of god you see when you are evaluating our providence we must do so knowing that we have peace with god and this will give us 
footing and confidence to stand on whenever whatever the devil brings to us. If you're going through a difficult providence, ask yourself, has God made peace with me? Have I made peace with God? And if there is peace with God and have the peace of God, then I cannot interpret the providence as an act of war. Rather, I should see it as a faithful wound of a friend, which is for my good. It is having peace with God that gives us a sure footing in the time of adversity, trials and temptations. And you should never allow the evil one to put a wedge between you and God as regards to peace. Knowing that we have peace with God, we can prepare ourselves against the darts of the evil one. When he gets us to doubt, to despair about his providential dealings in our life, and have stability. May the Lord indeed help us and by his grace that we may experience that peace. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you've given us peace, peace this world can know nothing about. Thank you that there is no longer any enmity between you and us. Thank you that we are not at war with you. And help us to realize that every providence that you send in our way, it is a friendly wound from you for our good. And help us to rest on your providence, to have faith that whatever you do, God, is right. And it is good. Pray for your people, Lord, that they may experience the blessing of the gospel. This gospel has brought peace. And it's only when we are firmly rooted in the truth of your word and believe it can we stand against the darts of the evil one. Do help us, Lord, for this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.